Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today is November 7th, 2018, and this is episode 16. In this episode, we'll discuss Baltimore's recent devastating loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, what that means for the Ravens down the road, and go over some news and notes for the bye week. Okay, so as you already know, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore um, by a score of 23-6. to um, I was at this game, and it was very bad. Once it became clear that the Steelers were, you know, kind of dominating the game, the crowd was out of it. I mean, there were points where the crowd got back in it, but it felt like the whole, all the life was punched right out of out of the crowd. Um, and the 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 Ravens just didn't do enough on the field to get it done. Obviously, um, they were four and four heading into the game. They're five and four now. Um, it doesn't bode well going forward. But we'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about what actually happened in the game to result in this um, this really bad situation for Baltimore now at four and five. Well, first off, it starts with the Ravens uh, and their failure to convert red zone opportunities. They went to the red zone a couple times, unable to come up with touchdowns. They put uh, field goals on the board. When you're scoring field goals instead of touchdowns, that's six points instead of 14 points. Instead of losing, you might actually win if you get these touchdowns. The Ravens can't. So one of the, the red zone opportunities, the infamous, everybody saw it. It was all over Twitter. Joe Flacco misses um, or doesn't see Lamar Jackson in the end zone, and he tries to hit over the top. On a um, on a back end receiver in the end zone, um, it's really I don't really think it was Flacco's fault for not seeing him. The play, according to both Flacco um, and Lamar Jackson, was designed where Lamar Jackson would simply be a decoy. He's the last read, and when you're under pressure on that offensive line, which we'll get into in a second, um, you you got to throw it away quickly. Um, so he chose a target he thought he might be able to hit. Throws it a little too high, can't get it down. Um, it's you know if he had more time in the pocket, maybe he could have found Lamar Jackson, but I kind of doubt that he would have gotten to his fifth read anyway. Um, and then in the second resident opportunity, we have Lamar Jackson. It's third and about two, and he decides on a read option to take it himself instead of handing it to Alex Collins, who probably would have gotten the first down, um, and he can't get the first down on the five yard line or wherever it was, and the Ravens are forced to kick a field goal again. Um, these issues, you're not scoring touchdowns. The Ravens were 12 for 12, scoring touchdowns in a red zone to start the season, and they've been sloppy ever since, barely converting these things. Um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can't you can't have that. You're not going to be able to beat beat them um, when they when they are able to you know, or when they're not able to score touchdowns in the red zone when they have to keep relying on Justin Tucker to get them their points. It wasn't a pretty scene at all. Um. Regarding the offensive line, it was very porous throughout. Um, both starting tackles were out. Uh, Ronnie Stanley on the left, James Hurst on the right. Um, so that meant uh, Orlando Brown, who's inconsistent, who's been inconsistent but has made some really good blocks, goes on the right side. And Jermaine Illuminor, who is not the best left tackle at all, was put at left tackle. Alex Lewis came back but didn't perform too well coming off of the, his neck injury at left guard. Matt Skura did okay at center, and then Marshall Yonda is always going to hold down the fort as much as he can. If I was the Ravens, I would have put Marshall Yonda at right tackle, Bradley Bozeman at right guard, um, Skura at center, Orlando Brown at left tackle, and then Alex Lewis at left guard. That would have been my configuration. I think that would have given them the best opportunity to protect Flacco and, and establish a run game, but that was um, just 
just not able to to come up with um, that that situation. I guess they felt that that they would be better off with Illuminor and um, Brown at left and right tackle, respectively. Uh, it didn't work out very well for the Ravens. Flacco was under pressure for throughout the first drive. He was hit twice in a row, and it was very clear that he was injured. He was on the sideline trying to walk around, talking to the trainer, stretching out what appeared to be his hip. Um, so he was not having a very good day out there with all the hits. And I think he was playing injured, and that probably contributed to um, the loss as well, or at least the uh, offense's part in the loss, because the defense didn't do anything to help the offense. If They probably did worse than the offense, in my opinion. The defense in the game uh, did absolutely nothing to stop the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Steelers were abusing them with James Conner on the ground, picking up yards there. They were hitting slants over the middle to Juju Smith-Schuster over and over again to other receivers. Um, Antonio Brown wasn't a huge factor in the game, but he did catch some nice balls. Um, overall, the defense bent on third downs. The Steelers converted 10 out of 15 third down conversions. The, the Ravens could get them to third down, but they couldn't force them off after third down. And that proved to be crucial in the game. The time of possession, the Steelers ran away with that too. Um, just controlled the tempo of the game throughout. The defense really, you know, for the number one defense, they couldn't stop the Steelers from doing anything. It, it, that is ultimately, I think, was the biggest factor in this game. Um, if the defense had made some stops, if the defense, you know, got some great field position for the offense, um, you know, control the tempo of the game, maybe things would have been different. But, you know, there was just nothing that could be done. C.J. Mosley wasn't getting anything done over the middle, stopping those slant routes. James Conner was plowing through people. Antonio Brown, just when he scored his touchdown, he he just ran through arm tackles. I think Marlon Humphrey and Brandon Carr were the ones, if I remember correctly, to, to make the try to make the arm tackles, and they just tried to just touch him and bring him down. But it's Antonio Brown. you got to completely grab him and throw him to the ground, but that's not what they did. Uh, sloppy play overall. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going on. The Ravens started out very well. But since the fourth quarter of that Saints game, the defense has faltered dramatically. And I think that maybe after the bye or during the bye, they can work on the defense, uh, get healthier, and get rested up, and then come out for the Bengals. But we'll talk about that significance uh, in a little while. Other than those factors, the Ravens, I mean, there was nothing else really that can... I mean, everything was poor. But I think mainly... The red zone opportunities, the offensive line, the defense as a whole were the biggest issues for the Ravens. Special teams was okay. Tucker was on point. Cook was on point throughout the day. Not a major issue there. Um, but the loss is deflating, um, and the loss really hurts Baltimore's playoff chances going forward. We're now 4-5. and five. Uh, This is a league where you need to be at least 10-6 and six usually to get in the playoffs. Um, but I think the Ravens do have a path to the playoffs if they finish nine and seven. They could still finish ten and six. They could still finish eleven and five. I'm not saying they won't. I'm, but I'm saying the most likely scenario to make the playoffs is probably at nine and seven at this point. Um, and it's all going to rely on this Bengals game after the bye week this week. So the Cincinnati Bengals are currently five and three. Um, they will play the Saints upcoming uh, this week, and then they face the Ravens at. At in Baltimore at on week eleven, um, it's gonna be huge for the Ravens if they fall to the to the Bengals at four and six, and the Bengals sweep them, meaning they have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Bengals now at six wins, Ravens at four. It'd be very, very, very difficult for the Ravens to to pull it off um, and to 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 get the playoffs. It would require a complete and total meltdown of the Bengals along with other teams. But if the Ravens beat the Bengals, get to five and five, 
they're back in business. They're right back in there. And they might even have the upper hand on the Bengals based on division uh, win percentage. That's what would be calculated after um, since there's no head-to-head tiebreaker between these two teams. Um, so they have to beat the Bengals. That's number one. They can't lose to the Bengals. Losing to the Bengals virtually places them out of the playoffs. Um, they have to finish 9-7. and I think they have to beat the Falcons. They have to beat the Raiders at home. They have to beat Buccaneers at home. They have to beat the Browns at home. Uh, they have to beat the Bengals at home. That gets them to at least five wins. Um, can they beat? Um, can they beat the um, the? I'm sorry, not the Buccaneers. Can they beat the Chiefs? Can they beat the Chargers? Is another question. Uh, two very good teams in the AFC. The Chargers would probably be their best bet to beat out of those two, but it's going to be rough. I won't count the Ravens out in either of those games. It's way too early to, to tell, but I don't really think think the Ravens will win in both of those games. I think that they can finish 9-7 and seven if they beat the Falcons, the Buccaneers, the Browns, the Raiders, and the Bengals upcoming. Those are key games. Um, so let's say this happens, and let's say the Bengals get to 9-6 and six at week um, 17, and the Ravens beat the Browns. The Steelers have to beat the Browns, uh, the Bengals at that point, because obviously the Chargers are going to win one wild card. They're going to run away with one. The Bengals are going to try to get the second one, but if the Steelers can beat them in Week Seven, uh, sorry, Week Seventeen, and get them both to nine and seven, um, the Ravens should be able to, based on their win percentage uh, in the division and I think in the conference as well. If it came down to that, should be able to overtop the Bengals in that, and I think that would be very key. Um, well, I'm not not. I think that would be very key. That would be huge if that happens. Now, the Ravens also have competition from the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Titans. They have the head-to-head matchup with the Titans, who just beat um, Dallas. Um, so they're 4-4, four and four, but if they finish 9-7 and seven instead of the Ravens, the Ravens would go to the playoffs and them if it came down to those two. The Jaguars are 3-5. and five. They're still on the bubble. I think they still have talent. Maybe they can make a run, but if they lose another two or three games, it's over for them, basically. And um, the Ravens' biggest concern will be the Dolphins, quite frankly. The Dolphins may control the Ravens' fate. Uh, they're five and four right now, um, and we're looking at this, their schedule upcoming. And you know, it's not the the most difficult schedule in the world. They have some teams that they're probably going to lose to um, upcoming, but then they have some teams that they probably can beat. Um, so they have to play the Packers, the Colts, the Bills, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Jaguars, and the Bills again. Um, obviously, the Bills shouldn't be that much of a problem for the Dolphins if they're really a playoff caliber team. Uh, the Bills have not really been doing very well at all recently. Um, I can see them dropping to the Packers. I see them dropping to the Vikings, and I see them dropping to the Patriots at least. That would put them at... Um, yeah, that that could put them at 9-7 and seven right there. Um, but the problem with them going 9-7 and seven is we don't know how it'll work out. Um, with the Ravens also going 9-7, and seven, the simulations I've done on the playoff predictor machine... Um, it keeps putting the, the the Dolphins above the Ravens, so I I think you know it depends on how the rest of the season plays out. Of course, uh, conference wins and all. I think that it would be the best case scenario for the Ravens would be that the Dolphins go eight and eight down the uh, down the stretch here. They're gonna have to lose to either the Jaguars, the Bills, or the Colts. I think the Jaguars or the Colts can do it. 
Um, you never know with these two teams. Andrew Luck has has led them to some good wins this year. The Jaguars, they still have some pieces in place. Uh, you got Leonard Fournette, uh, a whole lot of a lot of players that should be able to do something against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are extremely inconsistent as well. Um, they start out three and zero. They beat the Titans to start the year. Then they beat the Jets. Then they beat the Raiders, and then they fall to the Patriots, fall to the Bengals, barely beat the Bears in overtime, fall to the Lions, who are not that great of a team, fall to the Texans, and now they just beat the Jets 13-6. to uh, I'm not really convinced that the Dolphins are a very good team. I think they'll probably finish between 8-8 eight and 9-7, eight, but 8-8 eight and eight would be huge for the Ravens because if they can get to 8-8, eight and eight, then the Ravens would have a better chance of making the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. Okay, so again, the Ravens... Um, have a scenario here. They're not out of the playoffs yet. I know that this this loss to the Steelers was big, um, basically because it puts their playoff chances in jeopardy. Um, if they beat the Steelers and Bengals, they would have been alive for the division. I don't think the division is within reach now. The Ravens have to rely on a wild card, which is, I think, tougher to get sometimes just because of all the teams you're competing with versus the teams in your division, because if you're the best in your division, you're going to win your division, but being the best on the wild card teams may be diff- more difficult sometimes. Okay. Um, so let's say let's assume that the Ravens don't make the playoffs. Is John Harbaugh in trouble? Um, will he get fired? Probably. Um, I don't. I think I saw a statistic that the last time the Ravens didn't. I'm sorry. The last time, or the only or something coach who was not fired after missing the playoffs four straight years in a row was Jeff Fisher, uh, with the Rams, of course, going basically seven and nine every season. Uh, the Ravens are 4-5 and five right now. It was supposed to be a promising year. Um, they were considered a Super Bowl contender when they played the Saints, and since that game, they've been on a complete downward spiral, unable to stop themselves from falling here. Um, they've missed the playoffs four times in the last five years, 2013, 15, 16, and 17. Um, of course, 16 and 17 were very close to going to the playoffs, but they couldn't pull it out. Um Ian Rappaport on Sunday before the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers reported that John Harbaugh was facing significant internal pressure from the higher-ups to win now. Um, I don't think Biscotti is very happy with the 4-5 and five record here, with the product that's been put on the field. With this talented roster, I mean, you can't deny the offensive talent that we have now with Crabtree, Brown, Willie Sneed, Alex Collins, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst. All these players on offense. You can't deny the defense. You had Eric Weddle, Tony Jefferson, some of the better safeties in the league. Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, uh, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, you got a good defensive line. C.J. Mosley's there. And this team, especially with special teams too, not pulling off the wins recently. Harbaugh, I think, is on the hot seat right now. Um, he might be let go after the, after the year. I don't really think this is all Harbaugh's fault. I know he's the leader. He'll take responsibility. But I think a lot of this has to do with poor drafting and you know, some injuries that caused the Ravens in previous years. If you look at 2015, that was um, really determined by injuries that year. 2013, I would say the trade of Anquan Bolden really hurt the team more than anything. The offense just sputtered out. Um, 2016, the Ravens come uh, just within a play of, of making the playoffs. Uh, they they can't stop Antonio Brown at the goal line against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, that year was filled with injuries. 2017, we saw some injuries too. The Ravens came within one play again of making the playoffs against the Bengals, fourth and 12. We'll have to see how how the rest of the season plays out. I still think the Ravens have a good chance to make the playoffs. Not great, but a you know decent sized chance. Um, but if they don't make the playoffs, Harbaugh will probably like be let go. 
I still don't think that'd be a great idea. I don't really know of any coach who's going to be a huge improvement from Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh is still one of the top coaches in the league. And, I mean, we saw with Sean Payton, who went 7-9 for three consecutive years, he gets, you know, back into it uh, in his fourth year and, and, you know, goes to the playoffs, almost makes the Super Bowl. He's got another team now that's that's really rolling right now with the Saints. Uh, they just beat the Rams. I think you give Harbaugh at least one more year. In my opinion, that's what I would do. Um, at least to try. I mean, if you don't want to keep going with Flacco, I get that with his contract. I think Flacco is still the better quarterback, uh, the best quarterback in the room. But after this year, if Flacco retires, I would, you know, or they trade him away, I would give John Harbaugh a chance to roll with Lamar Jackson and whatever ta- other talent they bring in. Um, you don't want to hamper the rookie who's supposed to be the face of the franchise after Flacco by getting rid of Harbaugh. But I still think if the Ravens make the playoffs, um, they'll obviously keep Harbaugh. And I think Joe Flacco's job may be safe, too, if they make the playoffs. And then, of course, you know, if they make a run, then both their jobs will be safe no matter what. But, um, you know, playoffs or bust is really what the season is coming down to. And I think the Ravens, you know, they've they've been through adversity before, so it's going to be interesting to see what Harbaugh can do here down the stretch with the Ravens. So um, let's say the Ravens lose to the Bengals and their playoff hopes are basically over at that point. They're 4-6, and a tiebreaker with the 6 and whatever Bengals, depending on if they beat, it could be 7-3 and uh, three if they beat the Saints. Uh, I kind of doubt that, though, so I'm going to say it's they're the 6-4 and four Bengals. Um, we're 4-6, and six. The, the Chargers are rolling. The playoffs are basically out of reach. Uh, do you start Lamar Jackson? A lot of people will tell you yes at this point. Um, it wouldn't be a terrible idea because it does give you uh, at least, I think, six weeks. Yeah, six weeks to determine whether or not Lamar Jackson can be the starter next year if you really do want to move on from Flacco. Um, I think it wouldn't be a terrible idea, although I do think the Ravens should continue with Flacco um, until they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs because Flacco gives you your best chance over Jackson. Jackson's still not a polished thrower. We saw that against um, the Panthers. He had a wide-open sneed, which if he made that throw, who knows how, how the game's momentum would have turned out You know, if they went down and scored again. Um, you know, he misses the throw, and the Ravens have to punt. He made a good throw to Hayden Hurst um, in, later in that game, but the Panthers weren't really trying at that point. I mean, it was a good throw, but you know, the defense wasn't covering him you know, super well. They weren't covering him at all, really. They would just let him walk in. Um, against the Steelers, though, uh, Jackson did make a really good throw to Michael Crabtree. I thought that was a very good throw um, under a little bit of pressure, and he found Crabtree for the first down, I believe it was. Um, I think Lamar Jackson might have the the athleticism and the skill set to pull it off, but I don't know if he's ready yet. I still advocate for a uh, Aaron Rodgers type situation, Steve Young type situation where you sit for a few years and really polish your passing skills so you're not thrown out into the gauntlet and you're forced to try to make all these plays that you're not really ready to make and it's not going to end up very well. Um, if the Ravens are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, yes, they should start Lamar Jackson, see what he can bring you, maybe start some other players, you know, some young players, put them in more, see what they can do just to get a feel for what goes on next year. If they're still in it, you know, if they're down, you know, if, if, if they think they can get to the playoffs, um, if they have a chance to get to the playoffs, Flacco should be the starter. The guys who, who you can win with should be the starters. That is the most important thing to do at that point because it's never over until it's over. If there's one thing we've seen in the NFL is things go crazy at the end of the season, and Ravens had a 97% chance to make the playoffs last year, and the Bills barely had any chance um, in Week 17, and the Bills ended up going and the Ravens didn't. Who knows what we could see this year? 
it's not over yet. It's never over until it's actually determined that it's over. So we'll have to see how the Ravens um, continue down the stretch here. Okay, so the Ravens are obviously not playing this week. Maybe that's a good thing. So uh, we don't have a lot of you know heart attacks and you know disappointment throughout Baltimore. Um, so here's some news and notes I have for the bye week here. Um, number one thing I just want to mention this, even though it's not Ravens related. Well, kind of is. Uh, the Ravens tried to get Des Bryant in the offseason on a three-year, t- over $20 million deal. I think it was $28 million, if my memory serves me correct. Um, but Des Bryant, he's been out of the league since turning down that offer. Hasn't been with the team until now, just an- about an hour ago. Um, he signed with the New Orleans Saints, a one-year deal. We don't know the specifics on the deal, but the Saints obviously a contender. Uh, he wanted to go to a contender team. Um and he's going to be on a team that's probably going to run the AFC at this point. I don't see anybody else really going to be able to beat the Saints. Um, they're probably going to run the AFC. They just beat the Rams, who were you know the super team of the NFC. Uh, and apparently the Saints are now the super team of the AFC. They've got an extremely good offense, especially now with Des Bryant there, Michael Thomas, uh, Taysom Hill, even the, the crazy um, all-purpose player. You've got Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram on defense, Marshawn Lattimore, um, Cameron Jordan. So I think that this team's going to go very far. And it's just interesting It's interesting to see that Des Bryant actually made a team finally after turning down the deal with the Ravens. Um, but some more Ravens-related news here. Um, the Ravens will probably see a lot of players come back from, from uh, injuries. Um, Harbaugh said that he, he thinks we might see everybody come back from injury, be healthy for the Bengals game, which is huge. The two most important players for this would be Ronnie Stanley and James Hurst. Um, both missed the games, the tackles we talked about earlier. Um, the Ravens need to get this offensive line back um, together because they, without without it, um, the offense was just not able to move at all down the field um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers and against this crucial, very, very, very crucial game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They need this offensive line. They need Flacco to be able to sit in the pocket for more than a second at a time. They need them to block for Alex Collins. They're going to need a huge effort up front, and I think if they get Ronnie Stanley and, and James Hurst back, they will have the effort they need um, on the by the offensive line. Other injuries we're looking at, Tim Williams, the pass rusher, who's had a pretty good season so far, will probably come back. Uh, Kenneth Dixon might come back, although Harbaugh kind of made it sound like there might be a suspension looming for him. Perhaps that's why they traded from Ty Montgomery. So he's either going to be coming back, staying on the IR, or getting cut. I would think it might be... Um, either one of the two in, in coming back or being cut. I don't think he's going to stay on the IR for much longer because it does sound like he is almost ready to come back. And Maurice Kennedy, I think Harbaugh, I remember if I, uh, I remember somebody saying Maurice Kennedy, I think it was Harbaugh, Maurice Kennedy um, should be able to come back after, after or during the bye week. So that would be huge if that happens. Um, as, you know, the Ravens secondary does have a lot of depth, but it would only increase its depth. Um, and I think that'd be a pretty good move for the Ravens to bring him back. Um, the Ravens will try to work in Ty Montgomery over the bye. They traded for him um, with the Green Bay Packers. They gave the Packers a seventh-round pick in 2020 for Ty Montgomery. Um, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but the interesting thing about Ty Montgomery is he is a not only a runner, but a, a, a receiver. He played receiver in college. He played receiver for the... Uh, he was drafted as a receiver by the... Um, the Green Bay Packers and played receiver quite a while with Aaron Rodgers up there until they were without 
a um, good running back, and you know he made the transition. He did uh, fine as a running back. Um, ha- averages about 4.8 yards per carry in his career. Will be interesting to see how they can phase him into the offense. I think he could be a really good checkdown back uh, for Flacco, who's really m- missing the Ray Rice type guy. I don't think he'll be a Ray Rice type, um, but you know he'll be a, a good guy for them to have. And then when he's on the field, you don't really know. With Buck Allen, you know it's probably going to be a pass. Alex Collins, he's you know going to run it or maybe catch it sometimes. But when Buck Allen's on the field, you know it's basically going to be a pass. Uh, he does run occasionally. Um, I think they'll probably split him and Buck Allen with reps uh, on the field and maybe give Montgomery a little bit more just because he provides that versatility. And, you know, pairing him with Lamar Jackson would be really interesting. You could do a lot of fake handoffs and throws um, and really some misdirection plays with him in there. And Lamar Jackson's run packages have been what's been getting the Ravens the bulk of their running yards throughout the season. So, you know, whether or not they decide to do that, um, I don't know. But I think that could be what they they try to do. But they will try to phase in Ty Montgomery a lot and hopefully get this running game to somewhere where the Ravens can rely on it. Flacco's always at his best with a running game. Um, to use the play action off of and, you know, make this offense not one-dimensional. It's solely relying on Flacco's arm right now. Uh, and with the way the offensive line is playing, it's really not going to, you know, Flacco doesn't have the time to sit back there and make the throws he needs to make. So we got to get something going on, on the ground. Um, I don't think there's any coaching or roster changes imminent as the Ravens are, you know, staring down the, the barrel of an important game here in the bye week. I don't think they'll fire Harbaugh. I don't think they'll fire any of the coordinators. I don't think they're going to bench anybody. I think that the Ravens are just going to try to get healthy and focus on beating the Bengals, put all their energy towards it. Um, I know that they're not going to be practicing a whole lot during the bye week just because of how concerned they are with injuries. I think C.J. Mosley has been hampered by something. It's obvious he's not been to full speed. Marlon Humphrey was coming back from an injury and didn't really fully play. He wasn't the starter Um, on Sunday. There's some other guys that definitely need some rest. Flacco, after that game on Sunday, getting hit so much, he needs some rest. Um, so just rest up. They're going to rest up basically for the week, and then they're going to go full throttle uh, practicing before the Bengals game. Okay, so finally, um, we're going to talk about some games to watch here. In the bye week, obviously there's no Ravens football. That might be a good thing to you. That might be a bad thing to you. Um, but there are other games that do have significant uh, Im- implications for the Ravens. Um so tomorrow night, Thursday night, the, the Steelers will take on the Panthers. Obviously, you want the Panthers to win. You never want the Steelers to win, except if it really came down to it, being the Bengals in Week 17 to get the Ravens in the playoffs. But you definitely want the Panthers to win this one. Keep the Steelers and the Bengals battling for that division all the way down to the end. So the Steelers will be on full force trying to beat the Bengals. Um, as long as, you know, if the Panthers beat the Steelers, and I think they definitely can. The Panthers are a very, very good team. Um, it'll you know only make the Steelers more angry going down the stretch to beat some opponents that the Ravens might need them to beat. Um, the Saints over the Bengals is an important game. Uh, the Bengals definitely need to to, get, to drop some games down the stretch. They need to lose this game and need to lose to the Ravens next week to get them to five and five. Um, and the Ravens would be tied with them at five and five, putting the Ravens in significantly good position, a significantly good position to try and get that wild card spot down the road. Um, speaking of that wildcard spot, we need to see the Packers beat the Dolphins to get them to 5-5 five and five as well. Um, and then they will face off against the Colts the next week. Um, 
maybe we'll talk about the Colts game next week. But definitely the Packers need to beat the Dolphins Sunday at 425 is the kickoff for that game. Some other important games to the Ravens here. We want to see the Falcons beat the Browns just because the Browns are a divisional opponent. And it would always help the Ravens if divisional opponents lose to um, AFC, I'm sorry, NFC teams. Or really a, any AFC team losing to an NFC team will help the Ravens. Um, the Patriots and the Titans are the last game we're going to talk about today. Um, the Titans obviously just won in Dallas. That was a big win for them. Get them to four and four. It really increased their playoff chances. If they lost at three and five, I think that probably would have sealed it, sealed it for them to not make the playoffs. But they won, and the Patriots are going to try to push them down a notch to four and five. Um, that's a crucial game. The Titans, we really don't want the Titans to go crazy here. Um, again, if the, the Titans and Ravens finish. Um, both at the same, um, the same uh, record. Let's just assume it's nine and seven. Then the Ravens would go over them in the rankings for the wild card. But the Titans don't have a hugely difficult schedule down the stretch. They do need to drop at least a few more games here. I think they'll lose to the Patriots um, on Sunday at one. And they kick off at one p.m. But the Titans also have to face the Colts, who might may or may not be a win there. The Jets, the Giants. That should be two wins at least for the Titans. They have to face the Jaguars, Texans, and Redskins. A lot of toss-ups in here, I think, for the Titans. So the games are supposed to lose against the Texans, the Patriots, um, and maybe the Redskins, though that might be more of a toss-up. They've got to lose those games, and it starts with the Patriots on Sunday. Okay, everyone, so that is our episode 16 for Nest Talk. Um, obviously, it's Ravens bye week, no, no preview of uh, the matchups, important matchups for the Ravens game. Um, hopefully we'll see a lot of these teams lose that we need to lo- that the Ravens need to see lose this Sunday. So that'll make for some good football watching. You can catch us at Nest Talk on Twitter or find us on Facebook. Just search up Nest Talk. You can find the Baltimore Feather at um, BaltimoreFeather.com or just search up Baltimore Feather on Facebook or uh, follow us on Twitter at BeMoreFeather. I'm Chris Linfont at Chris Linfont on Twitter. Signing out. Have a great day, everybody.